Tagovailoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes Upton! Back near the wall! It's out of here! <laughs> Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Been quite a bit. Uh, last time we were here is the Super Bowl. Been just about over a month now, maybe maybe a month exactly. Um, long story short, didn't have my computer for a little bit. We were a bit sidetracked, but here we are. We're back. Football season's over. We're moving on to baseball. Um, before we get into our long, uh, maybe multi-part episode about the whole league we got to start with you know the homeland the san diego padres so today to help me talk all things friar baseball we have none other other than aiden sasan aiden how are you i'm doing wonderful how are you i'm doing great i'm i'm ready for some padre baseball yeah i couldn't agree more it's gonna be a very good season for padres fans i'm hoping no doubt. And if you're if you're maybe more of a casual Padre fan, I would definitely say even if you're a well-versed Padre fan, this is definitely the episode for you. Uh, definitely the year to get on board because uh, we'll get into it. But I, I think uh, it's more than just the season. So buckle up. Um, let's see. Let's I think the place that we have to start is the offseason because we had a phenomenal year last year. We can go over that. But I think what really has been captivating Padre fans and really just all baseball fans has been the offseason put forth by A.J. Preller. This is obviously this is an audio-only podcast. But for Aiden and myself, we're able to see my background right now. I had to get in the spirit. I got an A.J. Preller background. Um, long story short, what, uh, what were some of your initial reactions and your thoughts on this offseason? Well, I mean, I, it's almost surreal because as a Padres fan, you know, we've been dealing with like years of just quite frankly, terrible baseball, not great ownership, but AJ Preller has just really turned the tide and he's just so exciting. Like he's so different for every GM where he'll make like three moves in the span of like a couple of days. And it's just, it's, it's not like, it's unlike any other GM in baseball. And it's just so exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's, he, he like speed runs the deals. It's almost like he's work. He works against his own like internal clock. It's almost like a challenge for him. That's what I, um, I mean, I, I can't speak for you. You can talk to this. Going into this offseason, I really thought the focal point, I think I knew that we were going to try to add some pitching. I know the injuries to Lamette and Clevenger were going to, you know, light a little bit of a fire. I expect this to maybe be in discussions for a guy like Blake Snell, but I really I really didn't think we were going to be able to meet their price. And it ended up being so steep. Um, got Snell. I wouldn't say I was, like, shocked once I collected myself. Like, when I got the news, I wasn't expecting it. Um, but I kind of just expected some more low-end moves, focus on bringing back guys. You know, I thought maybe we'd bring back Rosenthal, maybe bring back Kirby. Obviously, both of those guys are gone. Um, you know, keep around a guy like Jerickson Profar and kind of just get some more veteran pieces. I really did not see um, this all-out madness. I think you see at the deadline, got Clevenger, got Rosenthal. I think that kind of made, to me, that meant – those were going to be the big moves, not as much in the offseason, just kind of shoring stuff up. Got Nola, too, at the trade deadline. Oh, it's yeah, another... Austin Nola as well, yeah. 
and you see with Preller, it's another case of the like rapid moves. He just does it. I, it's a weird thing. I don't know what it is with him, but he loves a good three trades in the span of a day or two. It's just, it's wonderful to watch. That's what I feel like is I, I was barely able to digest the, uh, the Snell trade before mm-hmm. there were rumblings about uh, you Darvish. I mean, I feel like Bob Nightingale might've said it prematurely in a way might have taken another day or two for it to actually go through. But then you get Darvish, and that one, that's the one that really hits me because you give up, you know, they gave up a lot of people, but mm-hmm. they didn't give up quite the power that they did to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, they gave up Francisco Mejia, uh, obviously former top catching prospect, hasn't quite hit his stride, but with a team like the Rays, you know, he'll find a way to click. You give up prized right-hander, uh, Luis Patino, definitely someone I very much coveted, did not want to move unless it was for the right guy. And then you go into this Darvish trade, and Darvish, he's obviously older. He's on a bigger contract, but he's been phenomenal. The last, we had the 60-game season in the second half of last year, been downright dominant. Um, Had the argument to win the Cy Young. And this isn't, this could come back to bite me saying this, because these 18-year-old kids uh, like Preciado, as well as, I mean, you know, Zach, I don't know how much Zach Davies is going to impact yeah. the clubs. But those 18-year-olds, they can definitely prove me wrong, and I think there's good value in them. But for a team like the San Diego Padres, when we're rich in prospects, to only have to give up a couple guys, so I think only one, one of those guys had played pro ball before, yeah. to get a Cy Young contender, front-of-the-line rotation guy, that just brings, I mean, everywhere he has rave reviews. Everyone loves the guy. I just, that that one was, I did not expect and really took a little bit to wrap my mind around it. I loved it from the get-go. Just can't believe they actually pulled it off. Yeah, I love the the Darvish trade. Um, and the thing is about, like, almost all those prospects we gave up is they're pretty much lottery tickets. Like, I like Preciado a lot, and I think he has a lot of potential, but it's like, for the Padres, I mean, he's not playing for us if we kept him for at least like four years, probably. And to get a guy like Darvish, who is going to be probably a Cy Young candidate, if not an ace type pitcher, it's just, I mean, I don't know how Preller does it, to be quite honest. He he capitalizes really well. Uh, Zach Davies had a great year and he he flips him for Darvish and that makes the, the Grisham trade look even better as well. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you end up getting Grisham and and uh darvish for a bunch of like 18 year old prospects urias who hasn't looked great and then lauer who's now injured i think and might be out for a long time so yeah when you really put it into perspective able to get davies that trade itself already was a phenomenal victory grisham breakout year uh davies he's always been pretty good the peripheral say hasn't been as good had a great year though um, and able to flip him there for you, Darvish. It's crazy. And at that point, I was like, you know, I kind of thought it was winding down. The Hasyun Kim deal, I wasn't particularly expecting. That wasn't as earth shattering to me as when we ended up getting Joe Musgrove. I cannot say I saw that in the slightest, but you saw um, some time had passed. Everyone was already putting out the, you know, mock Padres rotation for 2020 and looking at it or 2021 rather, and then 2022, and Clev is back. Really looked like the offseason was winding down. Maybe they bring back uh, Rosenthal, maybe Kirby. But it really, I did not see the Joe Musgrove trade. I thought a team like the Angels would swoop in. And it's another case where he's not as established as the other two, 
but he's a trendy breakout guy, and you really didn't have to give up a lot. You gave up a back end. You know, you know what you're getting in a Joey Lucchese, but you're, uh, I don't think the upside's much higher than a, you know, back end three, more four, five kind of guy. And then you give up a couple mid-tier prospects in the grand scheme of things. You, you do that to get quality pitching. A.J. Preller has made it very clear you need pitching this long season. And, and boy, that, that Musgrove trade really shows it. And I think going back to the point of the Darvish trade, pandemic obviously affecting the way that some of these rich owners who, you know, in some cases have profited off the pandemic almost – you got to give credit to Peter Seidler uh, and Ron Fowler for taking that step forward, spending money like a big market team, taking advantage, giving AJ the reins to say it's a buyer's market right now. You're not really facing that competition because you Darvish they didn't have to move and they had plenty of control. They could have just held Pat, but the way that these teams are thinking and the fact that Seidler gave AJ that green light sets the Padres up to make successful moves. So that Musgrove trade, super surprising, super happy about it though. Um, yeah, me too. You know, um, when the Blake Snell trade happened, I was like, I, I thought we were pretty set on starting pitching at that point. And, you know, I thought we were going to get help in the bullpen, you know, maybe pro, like you said, might resign pro far. And then the next day we get Hassan Kim in the morning, which is a shock kind of out of nowhere. And then we get Darvish on that same day. And then, then you think you're done for sure. But then a month later, you come and get Musgrove. And it's just, it, it really never stops with AJ Preller. And yeah, you definitely got to give credit to Seidler too. I mean, it's, it's really, like I said earlier, surreal how the Padres are just spending money. Like all of a sudden we have a payroll, like around 170 million, I believe. It's and crazy. it's just great to see. I mean, the thing is, it's not crazy. All of these owners have the money to do it mm-hmm. with a couple exceptions, obviously, you know, yeah. there, there is such thing as a small market team and it's a totally different conversation to get into about certain financial aspects and certain issues that can be brought up. But San Diego can be a big market. We it's been mm-hmm. treated more of like a small market. They have the money to spend. It's about actually, you know, caring about your ball club because all of these owners, they're, they don't really need it. I mean, they're, they're plenty fine off. It doesn't really affect them that much. How the team does like, obviously you enjoy a little bit of revenue, but it's showing that commitment and knowing that we can be a big market team and spend that money so that you got to commend Seidler. I love, yeah. I don't know if you follow him on all his social medias. He like, he has a couple thousand followers and it's just so <laughs> funny. He's like Pedro Pete or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's just got, got to yeah. love the guy. And I love his mentality of, you know, San Diego, we're the, we're the eighth biggest city in, in America. And, you know, we're going to be a big market. It's not like we don't have to conform to the old ways of thinking of, oh, you know, San Diego, small market team. We're going to break through that and just we're going to spend money. And it's, uh, it's wonderful, especially right now when, um, you know, it's COVID and it really is a buyer's market. Like nobody wants to spend money except the Dodgers, unfortunately, which is the big blockade in our division. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, buyer's market. That's what it comes down to. And then, I mean, obviously there were some other small market uh, moves. I feel like the first move was Brian O'Grady uh, to a contract. Then there was obviously the real, we let go of Kirby, let go of Rosenthal, brought in Mark Melanson and Keone Kella, who will get more into the bullpen situation in a little bit. 
um and yeah i guess actually i mean while we're on that topic let's go right into it let's i think the starting lineup for them i i think the starting lineup for the most part as well as the rotation you know i don't think it's going to get too wacky but mm-hmm. there, there are only a couple spots in the bullpen and the bench for a lot of candidates. Obviously, the injury to Jose Castillo. Uh, I believe Javi Guerra is also down for a couple weeks. That definitely narrows it for the time being. But um, let's. You want to start with the bench, or would you like to do the bullpen? Uh, I guess let's go with the bench. I think the bench fills itself a little easier than the bullpen does. Um, so I went with. I think there are four locks for me and it's Kim Caratini Profar, and O'Grady. Those are guys who I'm pretty confident are going to make the roster. Um, and then for my last slot on the bench, this was between like an uh, Jorge Onya, Jorge Mateo, um, Campusano. And uh, that's pretty much it. But I, I went, I went with Jorge Mateo because I just feel like the, his, his speed and base running ability is going to give us the most over uh, like an, an Onya who's going to be our fifth outfielder, which I feel like we don't really need with Profar, Kim, and Crone all being able to, or probably we'll see playing time out there, I would imagine. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's what I went with. Um, and I, I don't think that uh, it's really that difficult to pick a bench here because, like, Kim, we signed him to a relatively large contract for a guy coming out of Korea. Uh, Caratini, which I think was a very underrated pickup because – I don't think uh, if we like if we took him out of that Darvish trade, I don't think it really changes the deal. So it feels like a throw-in almost to me because yeah. of his personal catcher, and he's you know he's just, he's a decent backup. And then uh, O'Grady, I, he looks pretty good to me. Um, he played well in like five at bats for the Rays last year, but uh, yeah, he looks like a decent pickup. So I think our bench is going to be pretty good this year. Uh, okay, I think. I think I may have made um, a bit of a mistake because I uh, I filled one extra bullpen spot, I believe. I went with a four-man bench, and I'm looking at it right now. Um, can't do that. One too many pitchers, you're only permitted 13, I believe. So I'll, I'll go with the same as you. I My four originally before, you know, brain fart. Ha-Seung Kim, there. Jerickson Profar, yeah. very clearly there. Caratini, personal catcher, for sure. O'Grady, I mean, if he really does poorly, we could maybe see something else, but um, I think he's probably there. And I'll improvise, and I'm going to throw in. I'll say I think Jorge Mateo would make sense. Speed element, um, certain levels of versatility. I think it also very well could be Jorge Onya. But, man, I uh, you were clearly more prepared than I was in terms of <laughs> actually paying attention. I was just I, – I think the pitching, it's just been Im- implanted in me that I didn't realize you can only carry a certain amount. Speaking of the pitching, so bullpen-wise, I'm going to have to cut one of my guys. But uh, what, what's your bullpen looking like, and who's going to be the closer? Oh, the closer. You know, I'm, I hadn't thought about that too much, and I think we might go with a little raise closer by committee almost. But um... – my uh, bullpen is going to look like Austin Adams, Keone Kella, Mark Melanson, Emilio Pagan, Drew Pomerantz. And then I have Pierce Johnson and Tim Hill. And then I also have Morejon as more of a swingman. I'm thinking he could be like a six starter. Uh, I, I really don't know how they're going to utilize him this year, but I think he does end up somewhere on the roster. But yeah, that's, uh, that's what I went for. Yeah, that's what I think. 
it's a tricky situation because with the amount of arms that the Padres have, you'd expect them to do a lot of shuffling up and down. Yeah. Issues just some of these guys don't have the um, option ability. Uh, yeah. That they're kind of it's kind of use it or lose it. They're either here or they're not. So if I'm cutting this down, I think I agree. I don't think it's going to be a set in stone kind of closer thing. But if I had to peg someone, I'd probably say Mark Melanson. And I think Givens in the bullpen. You're looking at Drew Pomerantz, Emilio Pagan. Keone Kella, I like Pierce Johnson, Austin Adams. And then if I have to cut it down, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I necessarily want him to be on the roster, but I am going to say Craig Stammen. I think a lot of Padres fans, including myself, not the biggest fans of his, but just thinking about it, I think the rapport that he has with the team, he's been here, that veteran experience, whether he is of, you know, the best guys to do the job. I'm not sure that's not, I don't know if that's really, my evaluation to make, but I have stamina. And so then that would leave me with one spot. And so my two guys that I had not realizing about the restriction would be between Tim Hill and Adrian Marjone. And given, like you mentioned, I think the ability to be that six starter, and like I've been harping about the need for pitching, I'm going to say Marjone gets that last spot, a multi-inning guy that can be that swing starter. I uh I'm I'm embarrassed. I mean I haven't been do I have been off for like a month and I've I've lost uh-huh. it all. Well, don't feel too bad about yourself because I completely forgot that Craig Stammen plays for the Padres. <laughs> no, <laughs> because there's I mean if he if he uh doesn't get DFA'd, which I don't think he will, I'm sure he'll be on the roster. As much as I don't think he is one of our like seven best relievers, he just has to be there. I um but it, it's going to get really messy here soon because when Matt Strom comes back, when Javi Guerra comes back, and then you're going to have like Atlavia off, not on the roster right now. You're going to have three solid guys who are just, yeah, they're, they're not going to be here. And, uh, you know, I, I think we could see a minor trade right before the season or during the season, something like that. I definitely think so. I think uh, one way or another, there are going to be some guys. They're not on the roster. We're not. Uh, they're not going to be staying around. That's what I'm looking at. Notable misses. You mentioned Dan Altavilla. I don't know. I I feel bad because I like. I feel he seems like a nice guy, but I just don't. I don't know if he makes this roster. I don't see a clear person he beats out. Javi Guerra dealing with injury, and I don't think at this point he's an experiment and I don't think we're a team that's built to handle an experiment right now when you're contending. Uh, I didn't consider him at all, but Taylor Williams was a throw in as well in the um, Austin Nola trade, as well as you have Matt Strom for injury, which would then, I guess, include Tim Hill, who I left off. So there, there are a lot of arms. Oh, and as well as Ryan Weathers, I don't, I really don't think he's going to make the opening roster. I don't Mm -hmm. see a path forward for that. But he's impressed. I think, you know, yeah. he lost some of his prospect shininess um, in the system the past couple of years. But I think he's starting to gain that back. I think him pitching in the postseason. Yeah, we were down some arms. But that also, I think, speaks um, to the faith that this organization has in him. And I think we could see him come up in some capacity. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of Ryan Weathers. And he did. I mean, he made the playoff roster over a guy like Mackenzie Gore. So I think that just speaks to how much you know, Preller and guys in the organization like him. But like you said, I mean, right now, I mean, I think, I mean, he's still a starter for the future. I think like, I don't think we see him as a reliever and the rotation is pretty stacked right now, even with like 
the questionable health of Lamette. I mean, there's still a lot of guys who are just in front of him at the moment, which is unfortunate, but it, I mean, it, we have great depth, which is good for us though. You know, we'll be fine for the future. Yeah. No what happens. Definitely. will work itself out in terms of notable misses on the bench. I mean, I think we kind of, you know, logic them all out, but I really feel like to me, there were seven guys that you can really look at. You got Kim Profar, Caratini, O'Grady, Jorge Onya, uh, Jorge Mateo, and then Luis Camposano, who I would just like to say, and we'll talk about our, you know, our prospects in general at the very end of this. I love Luis Camposano. I think, uh, no disrespect to Austin Noel. I think Noel is a good player too, but I think Luis Camposano is the future of this team behind the dish. I think he's just absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, he's not polished defensively, but he, he can swing it. So I'm super excited. He'll be on the club at some point this year. And I think he's going to take the league by storm at some point. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, those are our main little pinch moments. Let's get into, let's get into the starting rotation and the lineup goes into some deeper, uh, specific player projections. I think, you know, these are fun probably be wrong on all of them kind of just be able to look back um you know that's what i feel like i've had a number of cold takes we'll see maybe i can add a couple good ones to the collection you want to start a lineup wise or rotation you're called uh how about we start with the rotation here um start with so i have i have darvish as the ace opening day starter for me he looked really good today actually saw him pitch um and then i have snell and then paddock and Musgrove and Gore, and I don't think Lamette is healthy for opening day this year. I'll be honest. From what I've heard, I mean, he threw like a 20, 25-pitch bullpen sometime this week, but I just – I think they're going to protect him. And like uh, Preller said, he they need him for October. I mean, that's really the main goal. And we I think we have the pitching depth to get through uh, just missing him. We don't, we don't need to pitch him. We don't need to push him. And uh, yeah, so I don't I don't have him on my uh, starting five for opening day. Interesting. I, I definitely can see where you're coming from. So for me, I didn't necessarily put these in direct order per se, but I, I had a Darvish, Snell, Lamette, Musgrove, Paddock, and then stat wise, um, if we're if we want to get deeper into that, and when you look at you, Darvish, I feel like you know what you're getting the most from him out of really any of these guys. I think he might not be quite as uh, statistically out there as he was in the shortened season. I don't think anyone will. I'm looking at 3.53 RA, about a 3.70 FIP, uh, 1.14 whip. And then he's been, his strikeout numbers have been good. I'm looking at 10.7 K per nine, 2.75 walks per nine, 1.25 home run per nine. Blake Snell, I think. I don't want to call him like a wild card, but he had his Cy Young season. He's dealt with certain injuries, hasn't been, you know, fully dominant. I think he'll be good. I don't think he'll be Cy Young good, but I think he'll be good. I'm looking at 366 area, 354 FIP, 1.23 whip. He's another high strikeout guy, 11.2 K per nine. Uh, Walk-wise, a little more walks, 3.39 walks per nine and 1.15 home run per nine. And then Lamette, who I definitely – I'm really starting to think of – I would not be surprised if you're wrong, I or if you're right, rather, and I'm wrong. I think definitely should take it slow with him. But if he's there, uh, I don't – I think even if he is here, I don't see him pitching really much more than maybe 120 
innings. I really just don't see it. But in that, I think he'll be right around Snell, 3.69 ERA, 3.145 FIP, 3.45, not 145, uh, 1.17 WHIP, 11.7 K per nine. Got big strikeout guys. Walks wise, I think he's at 3.5 walks per nine, 1.18 home run per nine. And then we got Musgrove and Paddock, who I think I pro- I project pretty similar. I'm looking at Musgrove, 3.75 ERA. I think he's going to be good. He's going to take a step forward. I don't know if he'll quite be, you know, front of the line kind of good, but I think he'll put forth good year. 3.65 FIP, 1.24 WHIP, a little less on the strikeouts, 9.4 K per nine, 2.75 walks per nine, 1.4 home run per nine. And then we'll end it with uh, my favorite player on the Padres, actually, Chris Paddock. I love Chris Paddock. Um I remember seeing him in spring training against the A's uh, the year before the year that he was called up. He should have been the opening day starter. I think anyone who watched him, you know, saw how electric he was rough year last year, but I think he's looked promising this spring training. And in spite of that tough year last year, he definitely still had some good moments to build off of. Uh, It seems if he can get down that uh, set more of a secondary pitch behind his changeup, He's going to be back to that rookie Chris Paddock kind of thing. I think he finds himself somewhere in a midpoint. I'm looking at a 3.71 ERA, 4 FIP, 1.18 whip, 9.5 K per nine, 2.1 walk per nine. He's not, you know, he doesn't walk guys, but I, I based on what we've seen, I think it'll probably be the highest still in terms of giving up home runs and 1.7 home runs per nine. So that's my breakdown. That's what I think. Uh, it's a phenomenal rotation. And I don't know if I see any of these guys getting, you know, closer to like a two five. I don't know if any of these guys are going to go out there and win Cy Young per se. I mean, a lot of talent, any, any, really any of these five guys could do it, but I think what it's more about is going to be five guys that can all serve as quality starters. Like you look at, you know, Darvish, Snell, Lamette, those are guys that could be ones really, I would quantify them as ones in any system. Musgrove, if he takes that step forward, he's a frontally rotation guy. And same with Paddock. Um, so I think that's what you're getting is five frontline guys. Might not be perfect, but I think it's just going to be a lot of quality across the board. So as far as my projections went, I have I'm a little higher on Darvish. I think he has uh, like a 2.7 ERA, about a three FIP, uh, 1.06 WHIP, uh, high on the K per nine, 11.0. 1.8 K per nine, uh, 2.56 on the walks and 1.12 on the home runs per nine. And I think he is going to be the the best, definitely the best of our stars. I think he's going to just step, be a step ahead of all the, all the rest really. Um, and then for Snell, I kind of agree with you. I think he's going to be not, not like the Cy Young version, but definitely not the 2019 version we saw somewhere in the middle with like a 3.56 ERA is what I went for with the high strikeout numbers, like 11.44 Ks per nine. And I think he will kind of struggle with the walks. That's what he's done in the past with about a 3.6 walks per nine is what I went with. Um, And then like for Paddock, I I agree. I think he's going to be definitely better than last year. He had a really rough year. I don't think he'll quite get to the same rookie level, but I I went for a 3.93 ERA, 4.21 FIP, 1.16 WHIP, uh, 9.3 Ks per nine. And I don't think he walks a lot of guys. Uh, I, I went for a 1.85 walks per nine. And then 
Uh, this year he had really bad home runs for nine numbers, which it was it was above two, which is very bad. And his rookie year was around like one point two, I believe. So this year I went for somewhere in the middle with a one point six three, and um, yeah, I think that'll lead to definitely a better year for him. And then Musgrove. I went for it. I'm saying he's a front of the line starter already. I went for a 3.42 ERA. Call me crazy, but I'm predicting the breakout, man. No, I mean, I get it. I, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. I, I totally see it. Uh-huh. Um, and the main thing for me is that the, the last four years, Musgrove has had like about an 8K per nine. But then this year, he had a 12.48, which is just ridiculous almost. So I, I don't think it, I don't think he stays at a 12.48 because that's just, cra- those are crazy numbers, but I went for like an 11. It could be lower, could be around 10, but I think, I think he found something in his curveball where he's going to, he's going to strike more people out. And then in the years prior, he also had a much lower walk, walk rate than he did this year was like above 3.5, which is, I mean, that's, that's a lot, but uh, he's been a guy who hasn't walked a lot in the past. So I think if he can keep his K number relatively high while lock, walking less batters, I mean, that'll lead to a, to a really good year for him. And he doesn't give up home runs, really. So, you know, I, I like Musgrove a lot. I think he's going to be our second best starter um, if Lamette isn't healthy, which obviously I don't think he will be. And then my last prediction is for Gore. And I, I don't really know how to predict Gore, to be honest, because we know the prospect pedigree that he has. But it seems like he's struggled a little bit over the, the COVID months. Um, he pitched well in spring training, but he struggled with control. But his stuff is just great. Um, but I went with a 3.87 ERA, 4.05 FIP, uh, a whip of 1.24. I think he strikes out some guys at a 10.64 case per nine. And then I think he does struggle with the walks a little bit with a 3.66 walk per nine. Uh, and then I think he gives up some home runs, but nothing crazy with like a 1.43. So uh, yeah, those are my, those are my, that's my rotation right there. Yeah. Um, I think I definitely would say that I'm underselling Darvish a little bit. I'm just, I want to see him do it in the full season. It's not mm-hmm. his fault, but he had yeah. that breakout in the second half last year. And then mm-hmm. he's been great. He was great for the 60 game season. I think he's going to be the best starter, whether it be him with a three, five ERA or a two, seven. And then looking at Musgrove, I think, I mean, I'm totally with you on the breakout. I think I might have pumped it a little more. But when you look back at his numbers last year, he finished with a 386 ERA. And when you really break it down, that primarily stemmed from one outing against uh, Minnesota. He gave up, I believe, five earned runs in three and a third innings. So when you have that in a shortened season, when he made maybe, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, he made like eight eight starts that one is going to balloon it all. And then when you look in the month of September, he was phenomenal. I had an ERA around two. So it's kind of hard. It's a little bit of pick and choose when you're looking at the stats from the 60 game season, but I, there's yeah. a lot, there's reason to be super high on Joe Musgrove. So I'm with you on that. And, well, might as well move on to the starting lineup then. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go ahead then. All right. Um, so first I have, uh, I did, I did Tatis first. I just, I don't know what order I was going in, but you know, I feel like you got to start with Tatis. That's, I mean, you know, face to baseball and all that. Um, I went with a, I, he's, he's going to slash two, eight, seven, uh, three seventy five and five seventy five for me. So 
I went, I think I went higher on the on-base percentage because uh, his strikeout rate and his walk percentage have been going down and up from uh, his rookie season to last year. And I think that continues. Um, like in, from the rookie season, we saw a huge defensive leap and he's now all, pretty much a gold glove, gold glove level fielder, in my opinion. And I think he's going to start working on his strikeouts more because I think that's his biggest issue. I think he strikes out a lot and I think he knows that. So I think we're going to see an improvement there. And I went with a 151 WRC plus, and then I'm going to have him hitting 38 home runs. And I added 32 stolen bases in there. He's going to have a good 30, 30 year, not quite 40, 40, but you know, I mean, you know, great year, obviously. That's what you expect from Tatis. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Tatis wise. um, That's what we didn't, with all the magic of the offseason, we didn't even get into the Fernando Tatis 14 oh, extension, yes. which I think we can wrap around. We can talk about that specifically at the end. Um, Stat-wise, Tatis, I'm looking at slash line 280, uh, 361, 519. I think I'm trying to find myself a middle ground between being like mm-hmm. Tatis for MVP. Like, I love this guy. Yeah. Like, try to find that middle ground of, I think he can be that guy but I want to keep it as realistic and how I feel. So I think 280, uh, you know, that's kind of average wise where it's been around 361. He gets on base at a good rate. I think that's there. Power wise. I think he's going to be supplying that power 519, which I have uh, creating 35 home runs WRC plus, which for those of you, if you don't know what WRC plus that's um, advanced metric that basically takes uh the statistic runs created and then adjusts for it based on a bunch of different factors like ballpark or era so basically in simple terms 100 would be like the league average and if you're at 150 that will be 50 percent above league average and i'm looking at the definition right now on mlb.com so for example um if you have the same stats two players same stats one is at course field and one is at Oakland Coliseum, your WRC plus is going to be adjusted for where you're playing. So getting that out of the way for what WRC plus means. So I think Tatis, I found myself, I mean, you know, 283, 61, 519 with 135 WRC plus 35 home runs. I think that's a good year. I'm not sure if he's quite going to get MVP. I think he's going to be really good. Um, I'm just, I don't know, you know, I want to keep myself like, in a space where I'm not disappointed, I think he's just gonna. I think he's just gonna ball out. I'm not yeah. sure what the particulars are, but I am confident he will ball out. That is what I would put it as. All right. So next, I have uh, I have Machado here. Um, I think he's gonna keep up. Not exactly like he was MVP level last year, and I I don't think we see that uh, high high of octane hitting from him again. But I do think he he's good. I think he'll have a great year. For his standards, at least uh, 277 uh, with a 356 on base and a four or 540 slugging, which comes out to about a 900 OPS, which is really good for Machado. I mean, well, not really good for Machado, but it's a good year. It's a good year. And then obviously you get that elite defense. Um, and then I have a 139 WRC plus with uh, 36 home runs. And yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I just last year in the 60 game season, I don't think that level of hitting is sustainable for him. But I mean, he could prove me wrong, but I think he regresses a little bit, but still a great year. And the Padres will certainly take that. 
Yeah, and I think when we're doing this, uh, I mean, we're just looking at when you're predicting, it's very difficult to predict defensive stats. But when you're getting Manny Machado, you're getting a phenomenal defender. So I think that uh, is a big part of what he brings to the team. When you're making 30 mil a year, I think, you know, you're expecting to bring a little more than just defense. And I think he's going to do that. I'm with you. I don't really see how he can quite do um, what he did last year, but I think he can be close. I think stat-wise, I have maybe just a peg below Tatis, uh, 274 batting average, 360 on base with a 505 slugging, um, 125 WRC plus, and a 38 home runs. I think the cor- the correlation between his uh, OPS, or uh, rather slugging, and uh, Tatis' slugging, I think – Manny, I expect, you know, I have him as three more home runs, but I think in Fernando, we're going to see some more doubles and triples. So that's mainly my thought process on that. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be able, I mean, he finished with 304, 370, uh, with 580 slugging, resulting in a 950 OPS. I don't really know how he's going to be able to quite put that back there, but I think he's going to hit a lot of home runs uh last full season which i think we can all consider 2019 for what it was a down year for manny machado he hit 32 home runs so i think the you know regardless of how he does consistency wise if he's hitting 300 or he's hitting 256 i think we're going to see that power from manny machado so i'm i i don't want to say i'm fairly confident because i think tatis could be it as well but if i had to put money on it i would say manny machado leads the team and teams in home runs and if he were to put forth this stat line, um, I would definitely be happy. So that's how I see it. You know, it's funny you say that because I actually don't have Tatis or Machado leading the team in home runs, as you'll find out later. Interesting. I, <laughs> it, it, interesting. I, you'll have to wait to see who. I mean, you, you can probably guess, but I'll, I'll leave it for later. Um, but for now, I'll go over to the uh, other corner, Eric Hosmer. And I got to be honest, Eric Hosmer might be my least favorite Padre. I <laughs> I don't have anything against him, but he just, for like $20 million, and I know, I think, I believe it's going down because the contract was front-loaded. I just don't think he brings enough to the team right now. Uh, of course, people might say prestige value. I don't think it's enough prestige value, if, if, if at all. But I have him batting 260, solid average, but only a 323 on base percentage and a 432 slugging. Gives him just below a league average, 96 WRC plus with 19 homers. I think uh, you and I are very close in terms of how we project Eric Hosmer. I think I definitely can sympathize and understand the frustration with Eric Hosmer. Um, his first year with the Padres, uh, really, I mean, his first and second year with the Padres were both very tough um, in terms of the money that he was getting. And in 2020, he, during the regular season, he was very strong overall. Um, he battled with certain, uh, you know, yeah, he was sick. He was injured. His overall stats in terms of getting on base wasn't quite as good as it might have felt like he was playing, but he had a pretty solid 2020 campaign. He was learning to lift the ball, which is the thing that he just was beating the, the ball into the ground in 2018, 2019. So I think there's hope, but I really don't see where he's going to live up to the money he's making. Mm-hmm. So I have him at 255, uh, 333 on base, 430 uh, slugging rounds out at just above league average at 101 WRC plus 21 home runs. Um, I think given how deep this lineup is, I think 
having some protection and just not being the focal point, I think he's still going to have some relative success. But for the money that he's getting, I don't think it's quite up. Uh, I will say, though, not to be a total Hosmer defender. I I respect the guy. I um, Mm -hmm. Although I feel like he might be making too much money and isn't quite, you know, a crazy caliber player. I respect him, and I think – the one thing that we need to realize is he was the first piece that even though we really weren't nearing contention necessarily, ownership spent money on him. Maybe it was too much money, but it showed some initiative. And for that, I'm thankful because in my mind, that's like the domino effect of getting Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis being on the major league roster. And, you know, here we are now. Yeah. I mean, it got the ball rolling and I I obviously don't have anything against Hosmer personally. It's just, for the money we're paying him, I mean, $20 million could go a long way for this roster. You know, we probably could have got like a guy like Rosenthal back or something like that. Not that that's necessarily the perfect move, but you know, it's just, I don't think it's the best way to spend our money at this point. Yeah. But, I, um, uh, I definitely get that. And I think I will say it's been nicer in, tw- in 2018. And I mean, 2019, even too, even with Manny and Tatis, I think there were a lot of like loss of focus plays for Eric. Like, I feel like, he wasn't quite into mm-hmm. it, which I can, un- I can understand, you know, being on a tough team. But when you're making that money, it's really – you're going to mm-hmm. be, you know, scrutinized. And I think in 2020, of anything, he just seemed to be in a better mindset. And for that, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, we definitely – And I think, I think like, the, the whole slam Diego mindset really affected everyone positively. It was just a fun team. And, I, yeah, I think that helped everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now rounding out the uh, infield, I'm going to go to Crone, then Nola. But for now, Crone and Worth. Uh, I have a lot of a lot of projections like Steamer and Zips. Do not like him for this year. I do, though. I love I Cronin. love Jake I, say? I know. He's, I he's love just, Jake Crone and Worth. I, I, I can't agree more. I would love for him to get some, like, everyday first baseman reps. I, he's, he's amazing defensively. He doesn't look athletic. He doesn't look like a guy Ridiculous. who would make those kinds of plays. But he does. He lays out. He grabs everything. I, I just I love watching him. Yeah, it's and one of those like I don't even care what the metrics say. You watch, you watch him play a couple innings of baseball. That man is a superstar defender. <laughs> um. So so I went with a two seventy four average, three thirty seven on base, and a four sixty two slugging, and that gives him a, just around an eight hundred OPS with a one seventeen WRC plus. And I gave him seventeen home runs, twelve stolen bases. And a good season for him, and a lot better than most uh, people projections what what not think. And uh, I'd love to see that from Jake. You know, I love him, just absolutely love him. Absolutely adore Jake, and I think that's this another one of those. I think you're going to see a lot of value in his defense. Um, for me, it'd be really fun to see that. You know, the all shortstop infield. You put Jake Cronenworth at first base, Young Kim at second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tatis at short and Manny at third or even I mean if we really want to get funky with it throw CJ Abrams in center field um, Cronenworth I think he obviously exceeded all expectations uh, considered a throw in and you know the Rays the Rays usually don't let guys like this out they did mm-hmm. and he performed phenomenally should have been rookie of the year don't care don't thir- you know 33 yeah, innings doesn't win you uh, any award uh, Cronenworth, I tried to keep it somewhat tempered, but I think he'll he'll get on base a decent amount. I'm looking at 275 uh, with 345 on base, 
400 slugging. I don't I don't know how many extra base hits we're going to be seeing from Jake Cronenworth, and I think reflected in WRC plus. I don't know how outstanding that's going to be. I have it at 106 um, with 10 home runs. I think he's just going to be more the guy that you, you need a base hit. He might be the you know the perfect one you want up. I think he's going to be a lot of singles and doubles kind of thing, uh, make contact. Uh, and I think that's, I mean, also how he profiles. I think he might've done it at a more uh, accelerated clip in 2020, mm-hmm. but ultimately when you stack it up, I mean, he hit 285, 354, 477, which mm-hmm. um, I think this profiles is maybe a slight step back. 125 WRC plus, I think I might be undervaluing the WRC plus a little bit, mm-hmm. but ultimately I just, I love Jake Cronenworth. That's all I really have to say. And I just, I love him forever. Yeah. That's and he's, awesome. I mean, when you watch him, <laughs> when you watch him play, I like some of the hits he gets. I don't know how he gets all the hits he gets. It seems like he hits one blooper a game. But yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that you want to have on your team. And uh, we kind of, we kind of fleece the Rays a little bit by getting him. I don't know how AJ Preller like saw that he was going to, I don't know if he he thought that he was even going to be something or if he just took the throw and took a little gamble, but uh, I'm glad we did it. Um, yeah, I love Cronenworth. Let Cronenworth pitch. Long season. Let him pitch. I, I wanted to see that I last year. It. I want to see, especially, I mean, not, trot him out for his spring training game. Like, why not? I know. I don't, I, you know, I mean, last year we had bullpen struggles too a little bit at the beginning. And I was like, Cronenworth, I I know he can do it all. He plays all around the infield. Throw, and I mean, in the worst, worst case, maybe he blows his arm. We stick him at first base. No issue. Yeah, I see him the DH. We got a DH last year. That's let's, what it's let's for. get ourselves a DH. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so next, I think I'm gonna go to Nola here, and I really like that pickup. I remember before we got him, I I wanted to trade for him. I didn't think it would cost us as much as it did, but. Uh, you know, Taylor Trammell, the real centerpiece of that trade, uh, is really falling in prospect rankings. And I don't know if he's going to be a top 100 prospect for much longer. I think he is number 100 right now. Yeah, I think he's either 90, like 99 or 100. Yeah, and, I love Taylor Trammell, but definitely. No, um, I, I like him. I was I was kind of shocked that we traded him for Nola because, uh, you know, Nola is like 31. He does have a lot of control, though. And I like him. And I think he's going to hit around 270 with a 360 on base uh, and a 466 slugging. I think that might be a little high, but I I mean, I'm a real fan. I got to be honest. And I went for a 122 WRC plus 23 home runs. And I I think Nola was actually playing like most of last season on a fractured foot. I believe that's. Yeah, I I did hear that. So, I mean, I mean, if that's true and also he had to learn a whole new pitching staff in such a short time, if he gets rid of those distractions, I think he could have just as good a year as last year, if not, maybe a little better yeah I think Nola it's hard to assess I think his his time last year with the Padres was a bit underwhelming uh he before the trade he was hitting 306 373 uh 531 slugging that's over 900 OPS um I think most could assume that that wasn't sustainable but he came over to the Padres uh hit 222 324 381 that's a 705 OPS less than desirable uh, total season stats, he ends at 273, 353, 472, 825 OPS. So I think we're going to see similar output. Um, I'm not, I don't know how high the ceiling is here, but I think um, if he plays up to his potential, I think he can be another, you know, quality bat that you need a base knock. He's the one to look for. 
So I'm thinking 260 uh, with the batting average, 344 on base, 420 slugging. WRC plus-wise, I think he's, again, just above average. That's kind of a trend with a lot of these people. One and three WRC plus. 17 home runs, not necessarily um, a total power guy. And in 2019, when he played seven, uh, he played, what, 79 games, had 10 mm-hmm. home runs. So I think, um, you know, I think we might see more double kind of power, some gap power yeah. from Nola, but we'll see. And also, I mean, the one thing that you have to mention with Nola when you're thinking about Victor Caratini, he's going to play, you know, at least once every five days for Darvish, if not more, uh, with Luis Camposano coming up. Nola, his ability, he can play first, he can play third. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we'd see him in the outfield, but it, it seems like he has that versatility. So him being able to play first, if we're facing a tough lefty for him to be able to spell Hosmer, that's definitely um, added in his value. Yeah, I might have gone a little a little generous on the home runs there. Uh, I went 23. If, if, I, if I were to go over under, definitely take the under. He probably won't play enough games to get 23. Um, and then I have uh, next up, I got Fam here. Um, and Fam's an interesting one because you really don't know his health. I mean, like, he's he's dealt with so many injuries, man. At the beginning of last year, I think he had some sort of elbow problem. You're thinking of Tommy John. And then uh, in the middle of the last season, he broke his handmade bone, I believe. Yeah. Injury. And then th- now he gets stabbed. I mean, that is just, that is, cr- I mean, you, you can't make that up. He the got stabbed. Point Loma. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, I kind of can't catch a break with the injuries right now. You got to feel for him. And he was a great player uh, on the Rays. Um, and I'm, I think he's going to regain a little bit of that form. I said two, 263 on the average, 349 on base with a 412 slugging. Um and I put him just above league average at a 103 WRC plus with 11 homers. And the reason I'm slow on the homers is I don't think he plays as much as you might think because we have Profar who can play left field. Kim, I think, is taking is going to take uh, some time in the outfield, might play out there. Same with Cronenworth. And I think we have options. And Fam's health, I just don't think he's going to be able to play that many games this season. Yeah, I mean, last year, and I mean, this, you know, leading up to this year, tough. Uh, you have him playing, you know, he was out for a little bit with the hand, broken hammy bone, and then he kept playing through it. He was phenomenal in the postseason. He had a rough mm-hmm. regular season, but was great in the postseason. Um, I think he's going to be able to capture something closer to his 2019 Tampa Bay Rays form than, uh, or even just 2018, than what we saw in 2020. Um, you know, great eye. I think he's going to hit 265, 355 on base. Um, I think I'm a little generous on the slugging, but I'm looking at 440 slugging. I, I'm a big fan of his gap power. I think uh, he can get back to where he had 33 doubles in 2019. I think uh, we'll be able to see some of that with a WRC plus sitting at 110 and 17 home runs. Um, his playing time, definitely a question whether it be um, involved with his health or uh, bringing back Jerickson Profar, who he really, I think most Padre fans did not want to see Jerickson Profar hit the field uh, with his time at second base. That he, with Cronenworth uh, emerging, I think most people were done with Jerickson Profar. Mm-hmm. He moved, he had to play left field when uh, Fam went down. He was phenomenal. That led to the breakout. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of guys, in, you know, Hasyun Kim or uh, Jake Cronenworth, I, uh, I I believe uh, Dennis Lynn, I, I typed in one of the athletic mailbags 
It said Dennis Lynn made it seem like it might more so be a precautionary thing, but either Cronenworth or Kim, they have some versatility, could maybe mm-hmm. get some reps in the outfield, maybe O'Grady as well. I think Fan would definitely be someone who could benefit from the DH magically appearing, mm-hmm. uh, not have him play the field. Uh, definitely hope for the best. I believe he's entering – I believe this is a contract year, yeah? Yeah, this is yeah. a contract year. So um, I, I think believe, yeah. big year for Tommy. Uh, I think one of the more interesting storylines to follow in terms of returning Padres is his performance. Yeah. Um, so uh, next up, I guess uh, we go to Grish is what I was thinking. Um, you know, I really like Grish. I think – I mean, and this might not affect his play that much, but I remember last year, I feel like he got squeezed uh, just an unhealthy amount of times. He got some rough calls, just I can remember watching. Like, it felt like it was every game. I don't know. I I could be wrong, but I think he's going to have a similar year to last year. With I think he improves the on-base percentage a little bit. And so I went with a 246 average, 356 on base, and a 440 slugging which comes out to a 113 R WRC plus and 21 homers with 25 stolen bases. I think he hits the 2020 club this year. Yeah, I definitely see uh, him as a 2020 kind of guy. I'm looking back at this. Uh, my numbers eerily resemble actually what his output was in 2020. I was more thinking of just my general projections and looking at projections. Last year at 251, 352 on base, 456 slugging. That's an 808 OPS. Um, as well as Gold Glove winner, I, I may add. Um, yes, so expect phenomenal defense. Short season, he, he hit ten home runs. Um, definitely displayed some pop. So I have him sitting at a two fifty one average, which I total coincidence. Uh, three fifty three on base with a four fifty slugging. I really think he puts very very similar numbers. I don't even have I don't have his WRC plus from last year up right now, but um, I have him at a one thirteen WRC plus. 25 home runs, and I didn't put down stolen bases, but I think he's going to be that kind of 2020 guy, uh, have positive DRS um, and all those defensive stats, really come into his own and just makes you wonder if Luis Arias and uh, and Eric Lauer will, excuse me, if they were worth it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was just about to say, as much as I loved Luis Arias as a prospect, um, I mean, this it looks like a great trade for the Padres. Because, I mean, yeah. Arias really hasn't done that much on the Brewers yet. I mean, he's still going to get playing time there. They'll see what they have. But, you know, I, I feel like if you're a GM, you don't really want to make a trade with the Padres right now. Yeah, but I feel like want, we yeah. – I mean, look, we got to see how this year turns out for sure. But I feel like if it goes like I think you and I and many around the league think it can go, I feel like we might be trending towards more of like, you know, Rays and A's category. Don't trade mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus, then when you you have a team uh, with an owner like Siler who wants to spend money with a trading ability, I mean, yeah, you're going to see great things on the field. Yeah. All right. So for the next one, uh, finishing out the outfield, I have my Padres home run leader here, Will Myers. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I have him at a 267 average, 338 on base, and a monster 567 slugging which rounds out to a 134 WRC plus 39 homers to edge out Tatis by one. Will the thrill longest tenured Padre. I believe in him. I I've seen the changes he made and I, I love him. I love Will. I, I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested by that. I think as uh 
As interesting as Hosmer is received by our fan base, I think Will Myers might be the biggest back and forth. I think mm-hmm. you could ask one person, they love him. Another person, not so much of a fan. You know, I think I've been hard on Will. I um, He's definitely had some disappointing years after, uh, you know, receiving his big deal. 2020, he was ridiculous. I think it's real. I think the year from Tatis and Machado, really, and even Gresham overshadowed how phenomenal yeah. Myers was. Like, you can – I'm not saying he was, but I think there's an argument to be had that he was just as good as Tatis and Machado, if not, in certain regards, better. But I, I'm tempering the expectations a little bit. Um, just kind of looking at some track record. I think he's going to keep up good power numbers in general, you know, be a decent defender. But I'm looking at a 256 or 257 average, 333 on base, and a 460 slugging within above average 107 WRC plus and 28 home runs. I love well when he's playing like he is last year. When he's playing like he did in 2019, it's hard not to just be furious at him. Yeah. I think it's one of those where I really, really hope he's more like what you what you see him as um, mm-hmm. and not what he was in 2019 and yeah. such. I think having this positive environment has been a good thing for him, but I'm trying to temper my expectations. I don't I, – I can't let myself be hurt. Yeah. So, Will Myers – Please do it again. 288, 353, 606 slugging with a 400 Woba and 154 WRC plus. Do it again, please. You, I will love you. Um, as he, I mean, him and Hosmer have a lot of similarities. They've both, um, I mean, in the starting lineup there, but they've both been around the longest and both making some big money. I know Myers, it's been more backloaded, so he's starting to make more money now than what Hosmer has, so... I don't know. I hope I hope the best for willpower. Um, it's just, I mean, what a guy. What a guy, Will Myers. Yeah, and I mean, um, as you mentioned, he did have the highest WRC plus uh, of the Padres last year over Tatis and Machado. Um, and I think uh, getting a new manager, not having to deal with Andy Green, and also just the, the changes in his swing, I believe he, uh, I don't know if I would say shortened up. I would say he, I think he lost the leg kick a little bit. Um, but I just like the changes and I see it. Uh, I see him sticking around, you know, and like you say, he is, sorry, go ahead. Uh, uh, like I was going to say, I was going to say he is one of the most polar polarizing Padres, as you said. And, you know, if you asked me this question before last season, I probably would have told you, uh, I would trade Will Myers for like Mike Leake and D Jordan, but yeah. uh, not anymore. No longer. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, you know, I'm called a Will Myers hater in my household. My um, my mom and sister love Will Myers. I'm just hard on him. I just want the best from him. And I think when Will Myers is at his best, when he had that uh, all-star first half, um, when the all-star game was in San Diego, he's not, it's not about pull side. When he's hitting line drives into the right center gap, he has the power. I mean, he's going to hit them for doubles. He's going to hit home runs that way. When he's trying to pull the ball, he's not. That's not how he's successful. When he gets long, obviously, I mean, this is not a visual podcast. You can't see, like, me moving my arms. But when he gets long, that's when he struggles. When he keeps it short, takes the ball where it's pitched. You know, like, he was in the home run derby. He's not a fit for the home run derby. Like, that was weird. Uh, When he's hitting those gaps, that's where you have success with Will Myers. You know, 
And if he, I hope he hones that in. That's, that's where I'd put it as. I hope he hones that in and he can somewhat replicate that. And I think in a lineup like this, it's another case of when you have Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis, or even just Fernando Tatis from the onset, everyone else is going to benefit in the fact that you are not the biggest threat. Yeah. And yes. I think for Manny, Manny Machado and Will Myers, those were two big things. Manny, uh-huh. just I think in 2019, obviously Tatis, he played half the year. He just didn't really have the protection around him to have success. And I think when you have a guy like Tatis, high energy, playing well, you both feed off that and get better pitches as a result. So I think for guys like Manny Machado and Will Myers, um, that protection is key in getting better pitches. Mm-hmm. So that's the uh, that's the starting nine right there. Are we are we going bench too? That's the starting nine. I mean, if you have if you have bench oh, have stats, if you have I'm bench ready. stats, you go ahead. Let's do it. Um, are you are you going with me here? You got them too, or is it just me? Uh, I have as noted by the fact that I did not have one of them. I have four out of five. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll skip Mateo. I I mean, I don't think anybody really needs to hear Mateo's stats, anyways. He's brought, um, you know, around the Mendoza line, you know, stealing yeah, bags. I don't, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, pinch pinch runner type stuff. But so I think we should start with Kim. I think he's the most interesting, well, one of the most interesting accusations uh, or acquisitions, excuse me, of the offseason. I love him, you know. I love Kim. I ordered a jersey. Um, I believe, I believe in him. <laughs> he's hitting the ball hard in spring training. He looked a little overwhelmed by Bauer, but that might, you know, that could be a couple of reasons. He needs to adjust to the the higher velocity, but I, I think he'll be a good signing. Um, and right now I have him at around about 250, 250 average, 347 on base and a 433 slugging. And I think his numbers will continue to go up uh, with his time in San Diego. Um, but for now, it, he'll come in at a nice 107 WRC plus 15 homers, 10 stolen bags. He won't, he's not going to play every day, but he'll get maybe every other day, like 80 games is what I'm thinking. And overall, I think he'll be a pretty good acquisition for the puck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, they signed him to a four-year deal um, playing at about a double-A level. I definitely, he's been hitting the ball really hard in spring training, but I think uh, his, you know, being behind a little bit against Barrow is kind of a microcosm to how I think the beginning of the year, at least, is going to be for Kim. I think it's going to take some time um, for him to grow into, you know, facing guys like this. So I think if you're looking at a split from the first half and the second half, I think he's probably going to have a really good second half, but might struggle out the gate. Um, definitely playing time, you know, that figures into certain, you know, some of these numbers. I haven't hit, hidden at a 255 clip, uh, 325 on base, 420 slugging, around league average at 98 WRC plus and nine home runs. The guy hits the ball hard. I'm not sure, you know, how that'll work in terms of home runs, but if he's making contact, he's making it hard. So yeah, I was going to um, mention um, in the few spring training games we've seen him, I think uh, from what I can tell, like mo- at least I remember two of his hits or not even hits, but just where he made contact, they were both like a hundred miles per hour off the bat. And I mean, that's great. I mean, then, you know, that's going to translate if he, if he can make contact, you know, I mean, exit velos they they translate from league to league i mean yeah it's not it's not rocket science when they're if he's hitting like that if he's showing off that uh exit velocity when he's gonna get accustomed to the higher velocities that he's facing Mm -hmm. if you're throwing harder 
but you're on, or if the guy's throwing harder, but you're on time, man, yeah. it's not hard. He's going to be hitting those balls even harder and harder. And, you know, hard hits, you know, baseball, it's a tough game. It's not as simple as that. But if you're hitting the ball hard, you're going to have success. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely how I see Hasyun Kim. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for some uh, Hasyun Kim bat flips. Petco oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. I mean, I don't know if you – that uh, yesterday shortstop when uh, I believe it was Nick Tannelou playing third base, he got uh-huh. the ground ball. Tannelou, Welcome like, to the trying to get there, runs him over. Welcome <laughs> to the big leagues. And you could just see the look in his eyes when Tannelou, like, offered his hand. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird moment. I mean, that was that was weird. I was I would have been pissed yeah. if we gave up, gave up run that I think Padres beat the Dodgers. Expected yeah. what I mean, nineteen times three. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Next bench spot. All right. Who who should we go with here? Maybe a little bit of Jerkson Profar, the oh, only other guy. Some Profar. Let's do it. <laughs> um, I'm excited they brought him back. I liked when we traded for him, and he obviously got off to that slow start last year, but he brings a lot to the clubhouse. He played really well, and he's he's kind of like a Tatis in his personality. He's a fun guy, and um, yeah, like I said, he's a good good person to have in the clubhouse, and I think he's going to have a solid year with a 266 average, 334 on base, 422 slugging, uh, almost league average, 105 WRC plus with 10 about 10 homers 10 stolen bases just solid rotation utility guy numbers yeah i think um jerkson beginning of the year i mentioned it uh definitely wasn't a fan of his play i think i from the beginning he was always a very smiley guy i liked him as a you know as a person but his play struggled had that opportunity when tommy fam got hurt ran with it and was great because if you look at his numbers outside of the first couple weeks ridiculous um so i think he'll be good i think we'll see him play we'll see him play left field uh a little more than we last year seeing him play some second base i think we could see him play really i think we could see him play left center right see him really play any any spot on the field outside i don't know if we'll see him on the mound or behind the dish um i think i have him at a 260 uh with 337 on base 401 slugging perfectly 100 wrc plus and 13 home runs I don't think he's shown himself to be a ridiculous power hitter, but um, he definitely has some pop in that bat. So I think home, you know, projecting home runs for the bench, I think it's very uh, based on playing time. But I like, I like Jerkson. I think he's going to pack a punch. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I'm glad to have him back, to be honest. Um, and I guess we should just head on to the next bench spot. Uh, I guess I'll go with Victor Caratini. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a solid, uh, solid backup for us. And, um, you know, he's going to, he's Darvish's personal catcher, which you kind of need when you have seven to 11 pitches. Um, yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. But uh, so I have him at like a 239 average, 331 on base and a 392 slugging. Nothing crazy, like a, a 90 WRC plus with like maybe 10 homers. I went with a little less eight. But, oh, I mean, he's not going to get too much playing time, I'd imagine, with Nola being the main guy in camp. Probably a better hitter right now, I would say, um, even though he hasn't had the major league experience. So, but, you know, he's, I mean, he's decent. You know, he'll be all right for us. Yeah, I think, I mean, he's a backup catcher in a league where, you know, you're not going to find many hitting catchers. If you're getting on base, I mean, 
there's there's just not it's not deep the catcher position right mm-hmm. now in major league baseball yeah. and a lot of caratini's value is being darvish's pers- personal catcher and just defensively as a catcher as well i think i mean austin nola plenty fine as well mm-hmm. um but caratini very nice with the glove i think at 240 315 on base 380 slugging wrc plus 88 um and six home runs i think his playing time is definitely going to be tempered with Luis Camposano eventually coming up. I think a lot of his playing time is going to come from the Darvish starts and possibly being um, a double switched. Um, But we'll see. I I don't think, you know, I think that's what you expect to get from a bench catcher. And I think when you get, you know, if he, if he's taking up a roster spot because you just got a star pitcher, you take that. You a hundred percent take that. And you know what? I mean, uh, these projections, although they're not, they're not great, you know, they're nothing flashy. It's a lot better than Austin Hedges, which was kind of our starting catcher. So. I hate Austin Hedges. I don't care what defense <laughs> he brings. I don't no, care. I, he, like he, he might be the greatest defensive catcher of uh-huh. all time. If you really want to pull up those numbers, yeah. I like, I like watching people, you know, hit. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I agree hundred percent. And the thing is, I, I don't believe his, like blocking was even that elite I, I think it's overrated I no I, and like his his framing is elite I, I know that but I don't think it matters that much for him to hit like 100 like he that's just ridiculous yeah CC MLB nerds on Instagram I don't think he'll I don't think he'll be listening to this so I don't think we'll be <laughs> under fire but we're on the same page on our you know not strong love of Austin Hedges mm-hmm. so then I think rounding out the roster we have Brian O'Grady I believe yeah um you know i like o'grady he's really i mean it's a solid like fourth outfielder signing i guess maybe fifth i mean probably fifth if you stick profile out there not gonna get too many at bats this year but i i think he'll be solid when he does play i, I have a 245 average with a 336 on base and a 412 slugging he's always been kind of a slug heavy guy in the minors and i think that might translate a little bit but I still think he'll be uh, below average uh, at a ninth 95 uh, WRC plus. And I think he hits like five homers this year or something like that. Nothing crazy. Yeah. I think um, I, I like, you know, the potential in O'Grady as a backup. I think he can provide something. I don't really know how many at-bats he's going to get. I don't know. You know, I think if he, what you know whether he's playing or not i think his roster spot could be taken fast by a guy like luis Camposano, uh jorge Oña. Mm-hmm. so i think i've i really i don't love o'grady that much i don't think he's gonna get to hit a lot so i think a couple bad at bats are gonna dictate most of his stats i'm at 225 297 with a 385 uh slugging 76 wrc plus and four home runs but in the end i mean obviously we said jorge mateo or Jorge Onya as the back end, as the other fifth bench spot. But if you're – I'm not concerned about a team who has a non-superstar as their fourth bench piece, you know? I don't think yeah. it matters. <laughs> and, and he I mean, can play yeah. first. He can play the outfield. He, You know, I don't think you're looking for a lot out of a guy like him. Yeah, and I mean, Onya might – uh, get a chance over him I think because you know O'Grady is not like I think Profar is more of your defensive outfielder I'd say because Profar probably can play center field I don't think O'Grady is necessarily a natural center fielder so then if you're looking at a corner outfielder Onyas might be the better hitter I mean he's a big boy he's got power we know that um, so I think I think he will get a chance at some point this year and I like Onyas so I mean we'll have to see how that that pans out yeah 
For sure. So that's our breakdown of of how we see each player performing. But ultimately, it matters because this it correlates into this, but it's about the team. So if we're breaking down, you know, each player, it's going to culminate in how the team performs. So let's start. What do you have the San Diego Padres record at? This is a tough one because of the Dodgers in our division. I think if we were in a weaker division or just not a division with us, like the best team in baseball, probably it hurts to say that, but yeah, I think it's true. Um, I I'm probably going to go with about 94, 95. Um, and I think we will be second. Uh, I don't think this is the year for us to beat the Dodgers in the regular season. Um, I think we might see that in the future, but it's, I think it's too soon almost. We did really well in a short season, but we got to have that longevity. And I think we'll have a great season, but just not enough to take the NLS title yet. Yeah, I think regular season throws in the NL Central. And I think you may be, you may be looking at like 105 wins. I mm-hmm. think yeah. that speaks volumes to the fact that, and I, I'll single this out. It, and when I do a league-wide one or if I do a power rankings, this might be the second-best team in baseball, and we're just in the same division as number one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Whole different conversation. But with that being said, I'm looking at 95 and 67. I think that, that gets you the wild card berth. Um, and I, I think, you know, I think any of us will take 95. I Obviously, mm-hmm. I'd love to see us win the division over the Dodgers. But ultimately, one way or another – they're just they're phenomenal and I love my Padres and I think this year it's gonna be even I think we're gonna split a lot of games with the Dodgers Mm -hmm. but ultimately the Dodgers just win games that they're supposed to win yeah and it's one of those things where the we kind of have to prove ourselves we have to beat them to Mm -hmm. actually deserve the credit and the ability for us to say I think we're gonna be better than Dodgers Mm -hmm. so 95 and 67 that gets us wild card berth um how do you see the playoff path taking forth I mean, no well, sense. you know what? Yeah. I think it, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I think it really depends on who we play in the wild card because uh, I think you're really looking at the Mets or the Braves there. Um, and I, I don't know who I'd give it to because, I mean, they're both great teams. If we play the Mets, it's going to be tough going up against Jacob DeGrom in a one-game series. That's my one concern about uh, being the wild card team. But – uh, you know what, just for the sake of it, I'll, I'll take the Padres in the wild card. And then um, as far as the Dodgers, a series with the Dodgers would go, they, we're not getting swept 3-0. That, that was a fluke. We didn't have starting pitching. We had a bunch of bullpen days. Um, I think it goes to a game five. I don't, I don't know if I should say we're going to win it because if I say we're going to beat the Dodgers, I'm going to say we're going to be World Series champs. I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet, really. Um, but you know what? I think I should. I think we should just go for it. I, I think I think I'll take us 3-2 against the Dodgers. And then uh, I'll say 4-2 over the Braves and uh, maybe another 4-2 over the Yankees in the World Series. And we'll bring a chip, a chip to uh, San Diego. It'll be great. We'll have some parades, some real parades. Let's do it. Um, so I think the wild card game, it, that petrifies me. Just a single game. I really don't think. I mean, ultimately, in the postseason, you look at it, Does I, I think a lot of the time the best team in general isn't necessarily the one who's standing at the end. Um, yeah. I think it has a lot to do with depth and just, you know, a couple little plays. So the wild card game facing the Mets scares me. I think 
you know, the Braves are a good team, but I think in a one game, I don't know if I honestly think the Mets in a single game, you could make the argument that they're the best team solely because they have Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. And I say that, and then we'll see that I think the Padres can win. I think it'll only take a couple runs given that the line, the lineup for the Mets really good, but I, I like our big game pedigree. I think you can throw out whether it be you Darvish or Blake Snell or Denelson Lamette or Joe Musgrove or Chris Paddock. I think you can get five, six good innings. And I still love our bullpen. I think um, it wasn't perfect last year. It might not be best in the league kind of good. Some of the hype that it was getting, but I still think it's really good. So I think um, narrow win over the Mets NLDS that sets us up for a rematch with the Dodgers. No way three um, yeah. I It's not happening again. And I'm going to say it. I think the Dodgers, they had a, you know, they had a fluke last year and them getting out of their NLDS woes. Um, no one, please, no one clip that. Um, I'm taking the Padres in five. I think um, it doesn't matter if they win 110 games and we win, you know, 87 mm. or whatever. We're in the playoffs. It's a whole, it's a whole new slate. Uh, we're going to really get to see the depth of pitching on both sides. And at the end, I'm taking the Friars. Um, to the NLCS, though, I think we take a trajectory somewhat similar to the team that I was losing to, and that's the Braves. I think we're good. I think we could get over maybe that NLDS hurdle, but I don't know if we're quite World Series. I think we have the talent as a team to be a World Series team, but after an emotional series against the Dodgers in five, I do have us losing to the Braves in six. Um the way the Braves performed in the postseason last year, even down a couple guys, is scary. Um, obviously, their bullpen's not phenomenal. I, I mean, we stole Melanson from them. I think – is Shane Green still out on the market? Yeah, I don't think Shane Green is signed right now. Yeah, so, so I think um, – and they, they, they can make additions. I think, you know, just the state of baseball is going to be different when we're actually in the postseason. But the fact that they really – could have they were up 3-1 on the Dodgers team when they had almost no starting pitching um I think I think this is the Braves year I guess that might be a precursor to my league one I'm a big fan of the Braves so I got the Braves taking us down in six and you know what if you're telling me right now you're telling me exactly that we're going to the NLCS I don't even care if we're winning that is a 100% victory in my book yeah no and I mean that could certainly happen uh I just think that if we can get past the hurdle of the Dodgers, I really think we can be any team. That's our, that's our biggest problem at the moment. And you know, the Braves are a great team. I just, I don't know. I think we're going to be riding that emotional roller coaster all the way to the world series. If we get past the Dodgers and you know, I I'm probably biased, but uh, I don't know. I just, I, I think the Dodgers are really our, our problem. Yeah, I mean, look, that's what fandom is. I There's no reason not to be, you know, all in on these Padres, I think, versus other years where you can really say that, you know, we have no business saying that. If you're looking at this roster, it's just as good as any in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you know, the Dodgers might be a little bit better, but this team can play at any level. So we're in the position to say that I really don't think it'd be biased to say that we win a title. I'm not projecting us to win the title. I'm not even having us go to the World Series. But this team has the potential to do that. And that's just the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So that's that. And I think 
to close it out, we I we had on the agenda talking about the prospects. I think we already alluded a little bit to some Mackenzie Gore, Luis Camposano, um, and even a bit of C.J. Abrams. I think it would make more sense to end it off on the Tatis extension, thoughts, reactions, how you see it going in the forward. In the I mean, forward. I just when when that was announced, I had a smile on my face for about three days straight. Um, it's just wonderful to see because. You know, as a Padres fan, you haven't had nice things in the past, to be honest. My whole lifetime, I don't know. I haven't really seen a winning team that I can remember from the Padres, except last year. And it's just it's just so nice to see that, like, we're going to have our own Tony Gwynn, you know? That's what Tatis is going to become. And I imagine Tatis in 14 years is going to get a statue outside of Petco. And it's just going to be wonderful to see. I uh, there's There's no negatives. The contract is great for the Padres. I think it um, it's fourteen years, thirty four mil or three. Sorry, three hundred forty mil. That would be a that, that would be a, yeah. That'd, that'd be, be, that'd be some Ronald Acuna uh, eight year hundred <laughs> mil kind of steal. Yeah. But, um, and the deal doesn't. It's like twenty four million or something like that until Machado leaves, and then we have a lot more financial flexibility. Um, and if you don't believe in Tatis, then then you might be a little worried. And I don't understand that mindset because he's been elite for two years and even if you say he hasn't played enough or doesn't have enough plate appearances I don't see him just falling off I I believe his talents I believe in his talents and uh I'm excited to watch Tatis for 14 years uh essentially yeah so I think the first and foremost I if you're just a fan like take out the fact that it's 340 million dollars you see Fernando Tatis Jr young star player 14 years. Mm-hmm. There's no way that you're not ridiculously excited. They're, yeah. you know, calling it a statue contract. He's here for life. Uh-huh. And we just have not had that guy. You said it. He, this contract sets him up to, up to be this generation, Tony Gwynn. I, I just, I love the term statue contract. I want him out there with Tony, with Trevor Hoffman. That's exactly what I want. And when you get into the financials of it at first, it's a lot of money, $340 million, 14 years, also a long time, but there's no precedent set for this. Mm-hmm. He wants to be here. And that's the big thing. It's that he yeah. wants to be here. He said he, he wanted those extra couple of years. AJ offered him 10, 12. He said, why not? Why not for life? Yeah. That contract takes him to, I believe when he's 30, 35, 36. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's why you can't entirely compare this to a guy like Albert Pujols, mm-hmm. um, who is sign, you know signing when you're a little later. The guy's what uh-huh. he's 20, 22? I mean it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure he's only played he hasn't played a full season. His two seasons haven't even been cumulative to a full season. Mm-hmm. But the way you got to look at it is it's roughly, you know, obviously the year by year, it's not perfect like this, but it's 24 AAV. A lot of really good shortstops about to hit the open market next year. I think mm-hmm. Tre- Trevor Story probably going to exceed that. It's not going to be 14 years, but he's going to exceed that. Um, you look at Javi yeah. Baez, Carlos Correa, the extension Francisco Lindor is about to get. All of those in terms of average annual value. I would be shocked if it is less than 24 and sure 14 years. That's a lot. You're, you know, paying a 36 year old, you know, $30 million is I think what it'll be around. That's a lot. And it's just, if he keeps playing like he's playing and we didn't do this extension, 
you know, he's at year five of uh, his time in the big leagues. He's a, he's going to free agency soon. You're looking at similar, um, you know, maybe total money, but less years or way more total money. Like Juan Soto, I don't think they're going to get a Juan Soto contract down. He's going to make, you know, Trevor Bauer is making $40 million essentially for, you know, two one-year deals basically. Mm-hmm. Juan Soto is going to get like 40 mil for a multiple, like for a while. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I can understand. You don't have to think that Tatis is, you know, a top five player in the game even. Mm-hmm. Um, it, because I don't know if he's there yet. I don't know if he is, but this contract is about what moving forward is. And everything he's done thus far has shown that this kid is going to be a superstar. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't have to love him. You don't have to, you don't have to love him right now that he's a, the best player in baseball. Cause he's not. He's not that player yet. You have 14 years, though, for a kid that has shown this potential in that limited sample size. That's the thing. When you look at sample size, there's pros and negative or pros and cons. You don't have the longevity to say it's, you know, something's necessarily sustainable, but to put up the numbers he did in such a yeah. short amount of time. And 24 a year for a transcendent shortstop, steal. That's all there yeah. is to it. And it's a, I, it's, I still think it's a phenomenal deal for him. I mean, I know it's yeah. sorted out with taxes and certain um, other deals he signed, but you get $340 million pending the taxes and such, which, uh-huh. you know, all athletes in California will be subject to. And you get to be the face of the organization. He gets that. He doesn't have to worry anything about contract ever again, unless mm-hmm. it's, you know, for a Gatorade sponsorship. Yeah. And I think... That's where you got to call it a win-win. And I think 14 years, long time, is he going to be, you know, one of the best shortstops in baseball when he's 36? Maybe not. But when he's hitting that prime and you're paying possibly one of the best players in baseball, $24 million, when the market, not rocket science, it's going to go up and up and up. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. So you don't, you don't have to think he's going to be an MVP candidate uh, every single year. You might, you might think he's overrated. You can think he's overrated. $24 million for an above average shortstop locked in at that price. Locked in. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, I know that maybe year by year it's going to go up. But the yeah. way it's calculated with average annual value, $24 million. I love it. There's nothing not to like about this. Yeah, I mean, there's so many good things I can say about this deal. And it's it's crazy to think that Tatis is 22. And a lot of baseball players don't enter their prime until their late 20s. So if people are already considering him a top five shortstop, even top, even the best, or even like top 10 in the game, I, I mean, his, his potential is limitless. He, it's just, it's, it's wild to think about how good he could be. And, um, you know, when you look at like a guy like Lindor, Lindor, I think will get like maybe more than 10 years, 340. I think it's possible. Maybe not in this market. COVID might've like dampered that, but you know, the money is going to get a lot bigger. You know, Machado and Harper's contracts were just the beginning. And by the time Tatis hits the market, I think he probably gets more than 10 years, 340 million in like four years. So uh, like, there's really nothing bad I can say about this deal. I just love it overall. And I'm, like I said, excited for the statue in 14, 15 years, whatever it is. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to start rambling all over again, but mm-hmm. look, you get, you get a, premier shortstop at about 24 mil a year 
that's mm-hmm. just it's phenomenal when you look back and we'll look back on this if for whatever reason there's a lot less money given out them and, and maybe Tatis struggles in the future we'll we'll bite it but when you're looking at the future he's only 22 which is a reason that this makes more sense than it doesn't mm-hmm. Because that means the longer the deal, you're not paying him when he's 40. You're paying him yeah. in his 30s. Yes. So it's just phenomenal. I, I don't really see. I think w- when you see 340 and you see 14 years off the bat, you're like, what? And, you know, you might question why Tatis would do that when he can cash in again. It's a good deal all around. Um, and I don't want to go back into this rambling spiral that I could do with myself forever. Um, and, yeah, I mean – if. I don't know if there was something big you wanted to say about some guys on the farm. If you do, we can go ahead and do that. I mean, I don't have too much, you know, uh, obviously just generally, I mean, the farm is still really good. It's, it's really top heavy now, but we still have great guys like Weathers, Gore, Abrams, Hassel, Camp, Tusu, Tusu Pita, Marcano. He's been absolutely raking in spring training definitely uh boosting that trade value because gotta I mean, love gotta love took marcano uh <laughs> future I mean, he's stuff. incredibly blocked though yeah and that's the thing i think people it's when you're getting the prospect game it's hard because when you really look at any of these guys it's hard to see their perfect fit now but baseball we're not you know in a couple years they're gonna be different guys it doesn't you know it doesn't i don't know what exactly will happen but guys are gonna move and you just want to have the most talented guys available. That's when you have Mackenzie Gore and Ryan Weathers in a rotation that looks stacked. They're, these guys are talented. They're going to find their way up. Um, and I think when you have such a good organization um, at the big league level, you can afford to trade away some of the depth of, of the organization in, in terms of prospects. Because even with all the trading we did, I mean – You gave up Patino, who that, I mean, that's a legitimately high-end prospect. And when you look at the deadline, you gave up Trammell, who still would be considered a top 100 prospect. The core nucleus of this this, uh, uh, farm is primarily intact. You still have the best pitching prospect in baseball, Mackenzie Gore. They might be having some hiccups time time. He's 22 right now. Um, he's 22, uh, and he's just barely scratching the surface. And the thing is, um, there are waves to this level. I think you look at Mackenzie Gore and Luis Camposano, uh, as well as Ryan Weathers. I think all those guys are knocking on the big league door. CJ Abrams and Robert Hassel, the third, they both have some time on them. So I think, you know, we're going to have Gore graduate. We're going to have, uh, Weathers graduate. We'll have Campy graduate. That doesn't mean it's bare. And I think another thing that people are undervaluing is the there's a reason the system got here. It's not all from trading away people. Like, obviously, Tatis, I think that's a very extreme example. But it's about scouting in the Dominican Republic and getting these guys. You don't just, like, naturally – it's not just like, poof, here you go. You develop yeah. these guys and get them up. So I have the utmost faith in our ability to uh, replenish that farm system. Yeah. And ultimately, when you look at the guys we moved, uh, with the talent on the big league roster, it's not like we moved anyone that was like, it's like, dang. Because even you look now um, at guys that are blocked, like um, like a C.J. Abrams. C.J. Abrams, he's going to be good enough. He's going to find his position. Probably not shortstop because we have that man, Fernando Tatis. Um, 
But in all those dealings, we keep the nucleus, and I, it's still a phenomenal system. Yeah, and you know, um, when we traded away, we must have traded probably 30 prospects over the last like two years to acquire Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, uh, all these guys. Um, I think people really freak out about how like, oh, we have you have no prospect depth, depth stuff like that. But the thing is, when I look at it, uh, your roster is going to have 26 players. And if, if you have, we have like eight really good prospects right now, in my opinion. And a lot of like some of those guys won't even play for us. Like Tusu's probably probably not going to play for us, I imagine. But like at the end of the day, you're not going to have to replace your whole roster every year. You're going to need a couple guys to come up. You're gonna you're gonna end up re-signing some guys. So when you have like six to eight high end prospects, high end, I guess not not necessarily all like super high end or anything, but good prospects. I mean that's fine, and that's that's good enough for me. And like still you see abrams uh he doesn't he's he looks great in spring training but he doesn't have a spot in the roster right now and neither gore might not and ryan weathers has looked good too and he doesn't either so i still think we're set for the future really yeah i mean we still what i think five you know it depends on the outlet you're looking at you're probably looking at five maybe four top 100 guys and Mm -hmm. that includes Mackenzie gore and cj abrams who are both consensus top 10 Mm-hmm. Um, it's ridiculous. And I also, I also think the thing that's, you know, looked past a little bit, so we've had a lot of guys graduate recently too. I mean, you've seen yeah. Fernando, and we've dealt some of those guys at the big league level too, but like Fernando Tatis, Cal Quantrill, uh, Josh Naylor, um, Francisco Mejia, a lot of guys. And when you look, you know, past just prospects, but in terms of depth, you have, mm-hmm. you have certain guys, Mason Thompson, he's someone to look at. Oh, yeah. um, we mentioned Taylor Williams as a pitching guy, someone like Michelle Baez, who, you know, yes. might not, he probably doesn't have a roster spot off the get-go, but has shown potential. Even Adrian Morahone, he's not ranked as a prospect anymore, but he still kind of includes in that conversation. So I, I have absolutely no concerns about, you know, the way that we've given out prospects. I think you got to make these moves to get good. And I think we gave up as a whole, more a result of quantity than quality because we still got yeah. a heck of a lot of quality. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that just, I mean, probably really built up the farm system because we were able, we had so much quantity that we were able to, I mean, get these elite players for, you know, not much uh, in, in terms of our, our top 10 guys, you know, we gave up. Yeah. Like you said, uh, Patino, we gave up Hudson head who was teetering around that top 10. Um, I don't know. And if I think, I, uh, one underrated thing, especially this is more the moves to the deadline. Um, a lot of the guys who moved at the deadline were going to be rule five soon, and we don't have the room to be putting these guys on the 40 man roster when you're fielding a competitive team. Mm-hmm. So I, I still love this organization, and I definitely think, even outside, I think it is more top heavy, but there's still a lot of guys to like um, outside of like the top five. I think Joshua Mears, he's going to keep rising up. Um, I mentioned Mason Thompson as a, you know, a reliever kind of guy. Uh, Anderson Espinosa used to be more of a top prospect. He's had Tommy John twice. He's only 22 though. Still a big fan of his. I think, um, I'm not concerned at all about this organization is how I would put it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we got a lot of arms. Um, and then as far as like field players go, I mean, Hassel, I think could be a top 10 prospect in the future. Um, he's, I don't know, scouts seem to love him. He's, his stock has raised a lot since the draft. He's already in spring training um after being drafted like i mean nine months ago 
Um, and then Abrams could be the number one overall prospect here soon. So, I mean, we're, you know, we're set. We're set as far as that goes. Yeah. So I think we've really hit on everything. Um, so I don't know if I'm missing anything. If you have anything else to add in, go for it. No, I think I'm good. You know, uh, I think we covered pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, glad to be back recording these. Um, happy my computer is working, most of all. Um, big year for the pods. Super exciting. Expect a lot of baseball content, Padres to the whole league. Like I said, I should have some more league-wide stuff coming up soon. Um, do you have any shameless plugs? That's kind of my thing at the end, if anyone has shameless plugs. Uh, no, I'm okay. I mean, if you want to see some Padres tweets, Aiden Dwan on Twitter, uh, I don't use it that much. I probably don't follow, honestly. You might see some bad takes. No, but, uh, I mean, yeah. I think uh, I think Aiden Dwan on Twitter is probably my favorite uh, non-toxic Padres. <laughs> that's, the one, that's the one downside of Padres being good. I think Twitter's gotten a little toxic, but you live with it. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, um, you're here at the podcast follow the podcast on Spotify at the red shirt podcast uh, blog wise, the red shirt dot blog. We will uh, be pumping out some more content. Again, my computer's back. So the red shirt dot blog, or depending on your URL, the red shirt dot wixsite.com backslash home, uh, the Instagram where you can see all of the updates that's um, at the dot red shirt posting podcast posting uh, when the blog is up as well as the Twitter, you gotta be following uh at the red shirt blog on twitter all of these will be in the description that's that's where you're gonna get my authentic takes when stuff's happening so i would highly recommend to follow and yeah i'm glad i'm glad we're back on this baseball season full swing um definitely will enjoy looking back on some of these takes but i appreciate you coming on aiden oh yeah thanks for having me i uh always love talking padres baseball yep signing off we'll see you guys next time